Rusty Quill presents. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs. United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Minerva's Spouse Blinders Solution. Need to suppress your significant wandering eye? Tired of hearing how you need to keep up with the next-door neighbor? Minerva's Spouse Blinders Solution is the easy-to-apply head harness that blocks peripheral viewing and keeps them dedicated to the delight of domestic direction. Happy customers recommend just slipping the blinders on in the night, and with the rise of the next morning, your spouse won't even realize what they aren't seeing. What they can't see won't hurt them. Minerva's Spouse Blinders Solution. Save your regrets for tomorrow.
Maximilian didn't want to benefit from his friend Arthur's demise, but he had to bridge the news of the murder and refocus everyone on the star's performance of the theater at Madame Mustache's. Arthur's body was carried away, a final dramatic act for the stage, his first ever role outside of playwright. A paranoia had settled in among the cast and crew, everyone moving too fast to stop and accept what had happened, but in the back of their minds knowing there was a killer on the loose. The curse of the pharaoh's sets were being pulled apart in a rush. A simple setup with props and lighting was quickly adapted to develop the Night of the Follies' menagerie of comedy and dramatic scenes. The stars would need to shine this evening. Max had quartered the tragedy, the life of a struggling theater always held by threads. A constable had shown up with a note for Bennett. It had been strangulation, no signs of struggle. The guess is he was attacked from behind and choked quietly in the dark behind the curtain. But Inspector Bennett, having already interviewed Max, the owner of Madame Mustaches, was just on the way to interview the male lead, Rudy Valerio, who'd been arguing with Arthur the night before. Rudy got his start as a dance instructor and companion to rich older ladies. He'd been hired as a model for a living painting exhibition and was scouted into the Palace Theater, but had been relegated to smaller parts without many lines. He made his way to mustaches so he could play leading roles, and a small but loyal audience had moved over with him. Rudy Valerio was tall, with broad shoulders, a defined jaw and brow. He was wearing part of his chic costume, a long white skirt to his ankles, bare chest, thick eyeliner, and a shiny gold headdress that swooped around his head like a cobra. He was just taking his headdress off when Hope knocked on the door and announced herself and Inspector Bennett. Rudy yelled enter without turning around, staring at himself in the full-length mirror as he removed his headdress. Hope introduced them and then ducked out to get glasses for Lionel and Abner's spit-take practice. Bennett entered Rudy's dressing room while Arthur was being carried out into the coroner's car. Bennett stepped in, bowler hat in hand. I hope this is brief. I have to change and then rehearse for tonight. Priorities, Bennett said, taking in the room. A double bed with silk scarves and embroidered pillows. A wooden chair in front of a mirror and a makeup station. Candles lit around the room, incense burning. Of course I'll help, but whatever I can. You're really getting into the part. One must when you are the lead. This look really works for me. I hate to take it off. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Bennett reached into his pocket and pulled out a fresh pencil. But of course, but not with that. It makes me uncomfortable, he gestured at the pencil. Bennett put that in the pen away. You know, our seamstress here is very talented. I'm sure she could fix up those buttons with a flash of her hand. He pulled a silk scarf from his bed and wrapped it around Bennett's covering his lapels. You obviously work closely with Arthur. For a long time. Max said he didn't have any real enemies. He also said you had frequent disagreements. That so? Rudy sat in his makeup chair, turning towards Bennett. Of course, like any writer or actor, it was the nature of the dynamic. But I never wished any harm on that poor spirit. Things have been rough enough on him already, with his wife and child wasting away. I see. 
They got heated. Did they ever get violent? Never. I think once I threw some dates at the fellow or something, but never fisticuffs or anything like that. We always work things out at the end. And your wife and child, they come to the theater? Not so much, on occasion. They are safe at home and don't really like the ruckus of the theater district. You have a lot of fans. They're really passionate about your roles. Any of them waiting at the stage door? Anyone angry that might want to take it out on Arthur? I know you've been vocal in the lantern about some of your roles. Any fans that might take it on themselves to get revenge? Never. Again, my fans are the most wonderful, smartest, kindest in the city. They wait with flowers. Between us, not sure that many care what I say as long as I'm up there in some half-naked costume making my eyes filled with passion and desire. I could be reading the lantern for all they care. But Arthur was good with his pages. We generally got along. Except for the ending, the pharaoh. That was what you were arguing about last night, wasn't it? The last time you saw him alive was an argument you two had over the ending. Uh, sadly, yes. And what was the disagreement exactly? Oh, who can remember? Arthur could get so stubborn sometimes, I swear it was about whether I confessed my love and then kissed Annie, or kissed Annie and then confessed my love. I think I wanted to make sure my character had to say something about a kind ruler. From that day forward, and taking care of everyone, Arthur wanted the last scene to just be about the girl. I, I wanted my character to have more substance. He's a sheik. I mean, after all, he'd be thinking about his people. I suppose that makes sense. The final pages he was working on. Do you happen to have them? They weren't on him. Really? Rudy seemed nervous for a moment. His temper changed. No, I wouldn't know anything about that. He left scraps of paper everywhere, hundreds of drafts sometimes. Rudy reached over and picked up a pitcher of water, drank directly from it. As it emptied, he looked at it, held it upside down with a few shakes, and then threw it into the corner. Hope! More water! Hope knocked on the door and came in with Rudy's costume for a scene with Annie, Psyche, and Cupid. We wore a tunic that left his chest bare. She picked up the pitcher from the corner and rushed out of the room. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to prepare for tonight. Bennett left into the hallway, looked down and removed the silk scarf from around his neck, crammed it into his pocket. He followed Hope back down the hallway into the comedy room and sat down with Benny. Maisie Myers, the curio, had been spending the evening overhearing conversations and looking for clues. The Grams of the DOC had sent her to figure out what had happened. Not unusual, but something had made them seem urgent about this one, like it wasn't your typical whodunit. She spent time in the costumes department and dressing rooms of the comedy performers. They just saw between jokes and tried on funny hats and wigs. And she walked the stage, and with all the foot traffic, it wasn't easy to see if anything had been dropped or forgotten. What's that? she asked. She pulled Mr. Fitz from her pocket. A small, sad-looking, egg-shaped doll of a man with gangly arms and legs. She listened to the doll, and then looked at the floor. A few drops of water, and what looked to be ink droplets. Maisie dabbed at it with her gloved hand and looked closer at the black liquid. She held it in front of Mr. Fitz so he could get a look. Strange. 
I'm not sure what it is either. What's that? Up there? She carried Mr. Fitz over to the ropes and pulleys for the flat and other stage work, so they could both get a look. She traced the ropes to their various ends, and she noticed the stage had been set with several pulleys at the edge, and what might be a lift for some underfloor element. It does look like something is under there, next to where the droplets were. But where can I... Oh, right. She found a small trap door, pulled at the handle, and it creaked open into a dark, understage area. She peered down into the darkness. Well, of course, you always want to go in. It's never your neck on the line, she said to Mr. Fitz. Well, after you then, she said. That's what I thought. She covered her eyes with her gloved hands and started to breathe deeply, using a curio technique. She could hear the workers banging the sets apart. She could hear arguing between Hope and Max in the office. She could hear Charity sitting out in the balcony seats. She couldn't hear anything in the dark under those stairs. She pulled her glove off with her teeth and touched the wall. She could tell something wasn't right. Something had been down there. She could feel some leftover vibrations. She tucked Mr. Fitz back in her pocket and slowly descended down into the steps, into the dark. Charity sat up in the balcony. She borrowed some pants and a work shirt from the wardrobe department. The dress she was wearing that looked so smart at Mulberry didn't work, dragging set round. She was craving a dark tea and almost asked an assistant for one, and quickly realized those old Mulberry habits had to go. She drank some swill coffee brewed by the bucketful to keep the cast and crew upright. The only way this thing was going to get through tonight was on pure adrenaline. That giant red curtain with the big curly mustache slightly swaying. The house was quiet until dress rehearsal started for the Follies. Any minute Max would come bursting out with hope, some quickly scribbled cue sheets and a draft order of scenes meant to give the audience enough to fill their plates for an evening. They'd all be stretching and filling and milking, a showcase of the talent rather than any specific story. Charity wasn't sure what the big deal was. Just make up an ending. Why was it that hard? But she guessed that Max was holding Artie's final work as sacred and didn't want to patch an ending on the performance without a proper finale, or finale, as he would say. Word was that Artie's final pages were now missing, and everyone was on the lookout. The Follies were a pretty good idea, and not the first time they had to scramble to cover for a show. If Charity guessed correctly... It would open with a big, lively greeting, probably from Westerly. She seemed to embody the overall character of Madame Mustaches. <laughs> then that would be interrupted by Buddy, with a quick series of jokes to set the audience off and let them know it was okay to laugh. <laughs> then Lionel and Abner would come out and do a comedy routine to get everyone nice and warmed up. Then a song, something fun yet sincere. <laughs> then a dramatic love scene with Rudy and Mabel. Rudy would play it serious and Mabel would be a clown. Then Buddy's long vaudeville joke, The Aristocrats, which was not for the faint of heart. And then for a finale, Annie May would bring the house down with her Gloucester and Garter's Richard III number. A nice, tight little evening, respectable runtime, and by the time the show was staged this evening, Max would return to the Curse of the Pharaoh. He'd have a new writer on the last pages and would be working with Hope to have the sets restored for tomorrow night's opening show. It's a tap dance, but everyone was used to working and thinking on their feet. Charity missed this. Not the murder, of course, that was terrible. 
But to see these amazing people and their element, and any one of these misfits would be kicked off the factory line or out of the store at a regular job. But here, with these dusty boards, old jokes, and familiar songs, this family had the power to shape public opinion, make people forget their woes and understand their broken hearts. They had the power to inspire love, to make people laugh themselves out of their chairs. There was no other power like it anywhere. It was a special and rare gift. Good to be back. A voice came from behind Charity. Charity turned and saw Annie Mae, a casual silk dress, come and sit right behind her in the house seat, put up a foot on her seat back. Charity smiled. We didn't get to work much together before I left, did we? Nice to see you've settled in, Charity said. Annie Mae had acquired a tomato and onion sandwich on dry wheat bread and pulled the top slice off to rearrange the tomato slices. It'll do in a pinch. Most places I wouldn't headline as much. Not gonna work in the beer hall for peanuts again. Might negotiate some free agency with Maxi soon. Might try to loan out to the palace, try some opera or topsy-turvy. Charity turned to look back at the curtain. It's nice to be back. Maybe not like this. This is a little much. And poor Arthur. Just when you think enough bad things haven't been dealt out to the guy, he gets his ticket punched. He didn't have a dime on him. Couldn't even be mugged. Max has a couple grips working as extra security for now. Every time I try to help with something, Hope steps in and does it instead and makes a big to-do about it. I think she feels threatened. Try staying busy so you don't think about it. Yep. I wish this was the first time. I've had a few mortalities over the years. Accidents, mostly. Things before a show. Had a big fire once. That was just awful. Strange how everyone just keeps on going. But we gotta eat. Annie Mae took a big bite of her sandwich. Charity yawned a big yawn and stretched. Annie Mae's eyes sparkled. No, Charity. Those big eyes and cupid lips look a little drug out. I have a nice, big, comfy lounge in my dressing room. It's quiet in there. Maybe you should come back and take a rest. Annie moved the hair out of Charity's face and slipped her hand onto her shoulder. These worker clothes suit you. I've never seen you in trousers. Charity grinned a tight little grin. I need to get back to Max. She patted Annie's hand. But it's good to see things haven't changed. My door is always open. Just not the one to my heart. Annie said, reworking a line from some past show. She crossed her feet on the chair back and took another bite of her sandwich. Charity stood and dusted herself off and drank the last of her coffee. You came for money, didn't you? Annie only slightly nodded. I understand the appeal of it now, she said. And also the urge to get far, far away. Take care not to run in circles. You may exhaust yourself, end up nowhere. Bennett's Notes, Benny Rabisi, Vaudeville Comic. Cannot get a straight answer out of Benny. 
seems quite upset and is covering it up with an endless stream of jokes and invasion. I truly think this man is incapable of harm and would curl up in a fight. Hey pal, it's a shame what they done to old Artie. I hope you find whoever did it and send him away, quick, quick. I might never get that image out of my head. Don't think my joking was anything neither, it's just how I cope with stuff like this. You let this stuff swallow you, seeing it day after day, do you? Do you mind? Do you mind if I play piano or juggler or something? I tend to talk fast when I'm nervous and I don't have anything to do with my hands. Please don't. This will only take a moment. You seem to be keeping people's spirits up. You get along well with everyone? Oh sure, I'm doing whatever I can to keep the lights on. Did you see or hear anything that might help us in our investigation? Artie was kind of Mr. Mumps. He was so blue for so long. He was like gray, I tell you. I think the work was the only thing that let him escape. And sometimes he'd forget where he was, you know, he would like think he was writing for the palace or something and not a variety theater like ours. That's where Curse of the Pharaoh came from. It was Artie's big show, one like the palace, with all the dough and the big numbers. He wanted to be like those other writers. Shame he won't see it. He works so hard. I heard about him losing his wife and child. But it sounds like he was on the mend. What do you know about Rudy and Arthur, their relationship? Eh, <laughs> they went back and forth a lot. Through the wall, Abner and Lionel got into a fight or to throw things. That's just Abner and Lionel. They do this every day. And the writers are about to throttle each other. They head out on stage and make everyone laugh till it hurts. Oh, when they hit the bottle, don't bother hiring a wrecking crew. But Artie and Rudy, they got along otherwise? Oh yeah, Rudy liked the rules Arthur wrote from. They helped him with that image that made all the stage doors Sally swoon. But he had a wife and kid, right? Oh, sure. Rudy had a wife and kid, but he also liked the lads, if you know what I mean. Lots of fellas in his dressing room for his warm-ups. His business, I suppose. Ooh, that's a secret. I probably shouldn't have said that. Do you not tell anyone that and forget I told you? If it's not relevant to Artie's murder, like it never happened. Okay, good. Uh, so rumor has that Artie was going to reveal something that final scene of Pharaoh. And after losing his wife, well, he was real sore about Rudy lying to his lady. So they argued. My guess is Rudy stole those pages and burned them. We'll never see those again. Really? Yeah. But Rudy, if you can't tell, he's a lover, not a fighter. Those soft hands? All that show is stage fighting. One tap to Loverboy's face, he'd be down crying about his nose. He came running out of his dressing room because of Spider once. No way in this world could Rudy do somebody in. You've been very helpful, buddy. Oh, hello, Mabel. I haven't forgotten about you. Bennett's Notes, Mabel. Comedian, clown. No known personal details. You discovered Arthur's body the morning of. Your name is Mabel. And you're a clown? Do you ever speak? Okay. Do this. Did you see anything related to Arthur? You did. Can you just tell me what you saw? This is going to be a long conversation, isn't it? As the horn echoed off the walls, Maisie the Curio burst out from between the racks of silly canvas leather wigs, oversized clown shoes, and rubber chickens. Bennett, she said, this is serious. Come quickly. I found something. Maisie led Bennett to the small trap door and the steps going down to the stage, and they both slowly stepped down into the dark. 
Bennett lit a lighter to light the steps as he made his way under the stage and into the dark. The cramped stairs led to a small compartment just big enough for Bennett to fit on his hands and knees. He stopped and asked Maisie, You want me to crawl under here? What did you find? He asked. I found something that might explain what's happening, but I think it's bigger than Arthur's murder, and I think it's why the Grams sent me. Bigger than murder? Like what? I'm not sure. Keep going. It's down here at the end. What's the matter? You scared of the dark? (coughs) Mabel, you didn't need to follow us. Uh, Maybe you should wait back in the dressing room? (coughs) Come on, Bennett. Just a little further. It makes this all not so simple. Maisie and Bennett continued to crawl down the narrow hallway under the stage. Bennett smelled the faint smell of sulfur. What did Maisie find in the dark that put such a twist in the fate of Bennett's investigation? Did Rudy gather up the gumption to end Arthur to cover his trysts? Where is home for charity? Could it be in the soft sofa of Annie May's dressing room? Will the show be ready for this one night of homicidal foibles hidden behind the follies? What secrets lie down cramped tunnels under our own stage performances? Fix your makeup and run your lines. Lines are beginning to form outside. It's almost time for doors on the next episode of Celine.
Would you like a ticket to enjoy the revelry of Moon Knight's affair? Our Patreon is a place where you can see all the sordid savagery and indecent decadence of the mysteries of our fair city. Want some answers for once? Solve the mysteries and share never-before-heard stories, music, and spectacles. Come be a part of Moonlight Affair, Silent Treatment, and Selene with the other spirits again and 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 again. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.